To another episode of the podcast, I'm your host, Shane Tolt. Just like every single week, it's really nice to have you. I'm sitting on some grass, hopefully where dogs don't pee, in Sacramento, California, recording this. If there's a little noise, cars driving by, that's just the way we have to roll today. And thank you for joining me for a great episode with a living legend, a living Canadian rock legend, Mr. Danko Jones himself is on the show and a guy that has a lot going on and there was a lot to get to in this episode, but also a guy that's a little bit private. So it was really nice for him to take the time to talk to me as I have been a huge fan of his for quite some time. Before we get into that, I want to thank everyone who tuned in last week for my episode with Frank Arrow of My Chemical Romance and, of course, of Solo Fame. What a great episode that was. Uh, the feedback was amazing. I love hearing people get excited about the things that I put out there. And if you want to get in touch, it's very easy. You can email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com or hit me up on social media. I try to get back to everyone. Sometimes I'm not perfect, but I do do my best. I want to give a quick shout out to Frankie and everyone over at rockabilia.com. They're back as a sponsor of the show. I'm so happy to have them. They are some of the best people and they really are the best place to get merch on the internet. So check it out. I know you heard the ad at the beginning, so make sure you get over there. We got a new promo code, PCLSS, that'll save you 10%, so check that out as well. And what else? In other news with me, I'm on tour with my band Silverstein. We're supporting August Burns Red on their 10-year anniversary tour of their album, Constellations, having an absolute blast, and almost every day meeting up with my sinners, today we're going to have a nice one in Sacramento. There's going to be a big one at Warp Tour, I'm sure. And it's a lot of fun, you know, meeting up with people, fans of the show, making friends. And shout out to all my sinners worldwide for being a part of this thing, supporting the show, ponying up your hard-earned dollars every single month to be a part of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. If you don't know what that is, well, I talk about it every single week because it is what keeps this thing going on the air week after week. Leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. I just ask that you check it out. You pay a little bit of money. You get a lot of perks, including a whole bunch of bonus content. So check it out. And uh, I'd love to meet you all too at the shows. So more center meetups every single day on this tour. I love it. Anyway, let's get into this episode and my conversation with Danko Jones. Hello? Hello, Danko. Yeah, hey, how you doing, Shane? Hey, man, I'm really, I'm really good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Cool. No, no problem. 
This is cool. I've been a big fan of yours for for a very long time. You know, I'm from Toronto too, so uh, so oh, this okay. is this is awesome. Um, and I don't even know where to start, man. You're a busy dude. I guess we'll start there. <laughs> Not that busy. I just I manage to do things, and the, the the little things that I do, I actually make them public. That's all. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot of downtime in your life, but then when you do something, you really do it. That's what you're saying. Well, I, I fill up my downtime with the stuff that I'm going to make public. So let's put it that way. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So, I mean, lots going on right now, though. I mean, we got a book. We got lots of touring, a new Danko Jones album. Um, I mean, probably so many other things I'm not even thinking about. The podcast, which has been going on forever. Amazed you even have the time to, to talk to me on Monday morning. Oh, well, I mean, I, I have these few hours set aside to do interviews today. So awesome. I know we were scheduled to do one uh, a few weeks ago, but uh, you were on a plane. So. Yeah, I had a, it was, you know, just typical. I, I knew I had a pretty small window. I was like, you know what? It's going to be fine. I, I have like two hours. Like there's no way the flight's going to be delayed two hours. And then it was, you know, the, yeah. the one time. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, because I feel like, and I know you're a guy that travels a lot and you guys are in Europe constantly. I feel like it's gotten better. To where I feel like the delays are fewer and far betweener than they used to be, but uh, every now and then it'll still it'll still fuck up your day. No, I I disagree. Uh, we've had to. I've gotten six travel vouchers in the last three months. Oh my god! Well, I wonder if it has to do with those airplanes. You know, them basically having to stop using them. That's got to be. You know, Maybe whatever they're called, the air, um, the triple, whatever. No, right, um, right. Max Boeing, something. Ma- I don't know. I'm not an airplane man, but uh, it's got to have something to do with that. Because uh, when that first happened, I was like, okay, they have all these flights scheduled. What are they going to do? Right? I mean, they don't keep planes sitting around. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But it might have been because of that. It did happen around that time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For the most part, I've been I've been had very good luck. But yeah, I'm, I apologize for for yeah having to cancel on you before. But uh, but this is great, man. Are you in Toronto right now? Yeah, I am. How about those Raptors, man? Are you a fan? Uh, JC in our band, uh, he's uh, he's been a fan since day one. So yeah. uh, that it, it meant a lot to him. I mean, when we're on tour, he always you know is watching the game. Yeah. <laughs> if it's, if it's happening or, or else he'll stay up and watch it at late, late into the morning. Uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, I'm happy for him and I'm happy for <laughs> Toronto, but I'm not really a sports guy, you know? Right, right. So. right, right. No, it's uh, I just wonder, you know, I mean, it's impossible to ignore. I don't know if you live in the downtown core or which, you know, part of the city you live in, but, um, I, I moved away from Toronto uh, a couple of years ago and I'm out in Windsor actually now. But, oh, wow. uh, I know, okay. I know, but, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I lived in downtown Toronto for eight years and I just can't even imagine like seeing the photos and, and videos on TV. Were you like, were you like right there experiencing just the mayhem after they won? Well, I don't live downtown, but where I live, uh, there was definitely celebrations in the street. So, yeah, yeah. so you could hear it all the way till I think two o'clock, but I, I conked out. So <laughs> I, that's, I was told till two. So <laughs> Very cool, man. So um, let's start with your podcast, man, because this is a podcast and I've been doing this for about three and a half years 
and I definitely didn't get in, you know, on the ground floor. I mean, there, you know, podcasts have been a thing for well over a decade. But, you know, honestly, I was trying to find out when you started doing podcasts and I got sick of scrolling back that far uh, and I gave up. So I don't even know. I know you're, yeah. you've been doing it for years and years and years. How did that start for you? Because it's, it's you know, it's a, a format that's, you know, not that old in terms of popularity. Well, uh, I started doing the one that I currently do in 2011 And uh, before the, it's called the official Danko Jones podcast instead of the Danko Jones podcast because in 2004, 2005, our webmaster at the time uh, kind of convinced me to do what he called a podcast back in 2005. So I did a few podcasts. The format or the medium hadn't really formulated the way it has now. So I interpreted it to mean like road reports. So we would be on the road and I would just, you know, talk about into a mic about, you know, what we had done. Uh, didn't know that you could, you know, bring on guests. Didn't know that you can lace it with music or introductions or, or other songs. Uh, and uh, to be honest with you, the technology like GarageBand and, and kind of laptop apps hadn't been um, developed for podcasting yet. So I did about, I think, five or six or seven and uh, abandoned it until 2011. But there was still online, I think there were still some posts about the first podcast. So we called (laughs) it the official Danko Jones podcast. And I did it with my friend Nick Flanagan as a co-host. And Nick is um, in the Toronto scene. He's a comedian about town and also he was the singer of many punk rock bands uh brutal nights um teen crud combo um uh, i'm forgetting killer elite so uh brutal nights is the band that i think brought him over for some sort of extensive touring now he's in a band called wrong hole with with andrew (laughs) from uh, the deadly snakes so so he you know between the comedy and the punk rock and the fact that him and I have known each other for so long. And we have a dynamic where back in 2011, we were we had been friends forever, but we had a dynamic where we honestly argue all the time to the <laughs> point where I didn't talk to him yeah. for about a year between, I think, 2016 and yeah. 17. <laughs> no, I know. It was, it was like weird when I was just, you know, just scrolling back because I've listened to your show off and on. But yeah, I was like, oh, this is like there's a po- there's a point where he's gone and then he comes back. And it's like it's just funny how you can you can love your friends and hate your friends, I guess, at the same time. Well, it was easy to um, to cut him out of my life because he was living in L.A. at the time. OK, so he had gone to L.A. to, uh, you know, write comedy and do stand up. Right. And uh, he's since moved back to Toronto and he does his own podcast, the Nick Flanagan Weekly Podcast. But him and I, you know, we'll get together whenever. But, you know, the time he was away, I kind of got used to just doing it myself. And plus, when I'm on the road, if I'm playing a festival or or someone's around me, uh, I'll just do it myself. No, absolutely. Well, I mean, you've got some incredible guests, um, too many to list, but... Um, yeah, and you do you do the show biweekly, which is probably smarter because I do my show every week, and sometimes it can be a little crazy, um, you know, getting it ready and stuff. 
But is it hard for you when you're on tour to, to find the time and figure it out? Do you do your own editing? Do you have someone helping you with that? Or No, I, I, uh, I do everything myself except upload it to iTunes. And I could pretty much do that if I wanted to. But it's just easier for our webmaster mm-hmm. to – I just send him the edited uh, episode and then we – he takes it from there onto iTunes and Spotify and all the other platforms. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, I do it by myself. Doing it bi-weekly makes it a lot easier uh, and I can pace myself. I also do like a 1,200-word introduction, sometimes like anywhere between 800 and 1,500-word introduction for the guest and editing which sometimes is maybe an over an hour discussion can, can be time consuming. And I do that on, on days off, uh, when I'm on tour. So most people in bands, I have to assume, uh, you know, want to look at the sites and do be a little bit of a tourist. But when I'm on the road, uh, I'm not there to be a tourist. I'm, I'm there to play the shows. And, and even on days off, I mean, we've been touring abroad for 18 years. I, I don't need to see like some church in a city that I've been to like of course. You know, eight times. So, of course, I know. So actually, you know, what happens is on the road, I, I really just ended up trying to busy myself. And so I, I, I wrote articles for magazines and uh, do this podcast. I also have another podcast. It's called the Regal Beagle Podcast. I've been doing it for two years. And it's a podcast that in chronological order, we discuss the 70s, 80s sitcom Three's Company. And I've had everyone from uh, Scott Reeder from Caius, Blaine Cartwright from Nashville Pussy, Murray Lightburn from The Deers, Jeremy Taggart from Our Lady Peace. They've all been on the podcast talking about episodes. So I do that weekly. That's a weekly podcast. And then I have my, like the, the, the real one, I should say, a <laughs> bi-weekly, um, and that one can be anywhere between 40 to 60 minutes. And it, it's really just all uh, like whatever I like. So there's nobody there's nobody telling me, you know, who, what guests I should have or, or, you know, there's been over the years people who said, hey, you should have this band or can we be on your podcast? But if I don't have a connection to you in any right. sort of way – like it's, it, it, I, I'm not a good interview, a g- interviewer unless I'm really, really into the guest, and then it makes it really easy. For example, this past week we uploaded an episode with Michael Sweet from Striper. Now Striper <laughs> are Christian metal bands. Yes, oh, I, I'm well aware. <laughs> and I loved them when I was growing up, and lost touch with their band. I didn't even know they were around, and and recently found out that. No, they've been putting out some pretty serious, heavy albums in, in the last six years. And so I've, I reached out to Michael and we had sort of a mutual kind of, we were on a song together years ago. So that was some sort of mutual thing. And then talking to him, I could easily interview Michael because I was such an old Striper fan. And so, you know, that makes it easy. And then and then genuinely get friends. So, you know, Nick Flanagan is, you know, just a friend and Damien Abraham from Fucked Up yeah. is a friend. So then we just have different discussions, you know. So it, but at least I can 
participate. Whereas if it was an interview that I had to do because I it was an assignment, right? I it, it would just devolve into you know you know what's your favorite song? You know that <laughs> it, that kind of shit I hate, and I I'm, I already have to do enough of those kinds of interviews. I don't want to put anyone else through them. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know sometimes I find when it's a guest. You know, like, for example, for me, you know, No Effects was one of my favorite bands growing up. It's a band I have, like, every 7-inch they ever put out. I can tell you every B-side from, you know what I mean? So, finally, I get Fat Mike from No Effects on the show. And it's almost sometimes harder to ask questions because you already know everything. It's like, what do I ask this person when I already know everything? You ever have that happen to you? Uh... No, because I always make sure that I have a certain angle with a guest, no matter how right. how much of a fan I am of them. So with Michael Sweet, I didn't talk about the albums that I loved. I talked about the three new Striper albums that they've put out since 2013 that, uh, that were pretty impressive to me. Um, and that kind of uh, took uh, started up from where I remember them back in, you know, 87. So... So it was kind of a good angle. And of course, you know, everybody wants to talk about their latest album rather than, you know, he doesn't want to talk about the album that went platinum for the millionth time. He wants to talk about, you know, the the new albums that they've put out. Um, So that was a great angle. And plus, there's other things about him that I had researched that people may not bring up. Like he was he was the singer for Boston for four years that a lot of people don't know. No, so I didn't know that. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so that kind of stuff is, you know, it, it's easy to, uh, to talk about if it's a guest that's got many facets and many shades about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my angle with you, I guess, is it's kind of difficult to find information about you for a person that puts yourself out there, um, all the time and has for so many years it's kind of hard to really get information about you, like even how old you are. Uh, anything like that, it's like, okay, I just want basic info on Danko Jones. Maybe the problem is that when I look up Danko Jones, I find Danko Jones Band, Danko Jones The Trio, Danko Jones The Podcast. And, sure. it, and it, gets, it takes you away from the person that you are because you, you, the person you are isn't Danko Jones the guy all the time. It's Danko Jones all the things that you do. So well, I, I, yeah. I find that very, actually very interesting. Right. <laughs> well, I don't really talk about my personal life too much in interviews. Um, uh, so that might have something to do with it. Yeah. Why not? Uh, because it, my personal life is my private life. And uh, I really get uncomfortable talking about anything past rock music. Interesting. Yeah. I I, yeah. uh, I mean I, I want to I see that's that's the shit that I want to know though is is like what what makes you that what made you love rock and roll so much and love well, that's and, I mean I could talk about that and I I've spoken about that but yeah. you know for example yesterday people were uploading pictures of their father because it was Father's Day yeah. I'm never going to do that in a million years and uh, but I w- I have gotten personal in the last year in terms of. You know, we got, uh, I'd say, what is it now? Nine months ago, 10 months ago, uh, I've got my dog, uh, Ralph, who's a rescue dog. So I posted pictures of Ralph um, and I'm 
I guess I've outed myself as somewhat of a lefty from my anti-Doug Ford posts and right, my anti-Cheer right. posts. Um, uh, but th- that's not anything that's scandalous, I don't think. You know, I mean, we're punk no. rock. And I think there was some, something that went viral uh, a few months ago where people were saying, you know, punk rock is naturally left. I kind of tend to agree to, with that. Absolutely. Um, but but uh, it's funny that, you know, we're a garage punk band. So we came out from a different stream of punk rock uh, back in the 90s. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we veer right. I think a lot of people and when you when you graduate into kind of like a mainstream radio rock world like we did from yeah. like the local punk rock scene that we came out of. I think a lot of people, and plus we sing a lot about sex and girls <laughs> and women. And, and I think people think that we're automatically kind of one way. And it's really interesting because if you look back into our past, we're, we're a garage punk band. Um, and if you really want to look back into my personal past, I mean, it's, I'm a metal, I'm a metal kid who found out about rock, uh, punk rock. And, and so that's about as personal as I'll, I've gotten. I've gotten that recently. And that's since, you know, Doug Ford became premier and Andrew Shear looks like he might be the prime minister. Oh man. So, I can't stand so, that. I can't stand that motherfucker, man. He's like... Don't you just get a like a, a he gives me the the creeps, dude. Like straight up. Well, well, here's the thing: is is I, I, I the, the good thing is, is is crazy as these days feel like you know with with incels and alt right and Faith Goldie and Andrew Shear and Rebel Media and Doug Ford. Um, I think that it's it's kind of a quote that Henry I heard Henry Rollins say recently, and this is what Joe Strummer trained you for. And that, yeah, like I think now is the time to at least say something. I've had talks about this right. with other people, and and you know, there's always someone who's going to go stay in your lane. Well, this is my lane, you know, this is my lane. I'm a fucking loudmouth for a living, <laughs> and so that's what you get when you you, you know you follow me on Twitter. So so uh, yeah, I haven't really been like that in in recent years, you know, and that's a personal reason why I decided to start, you know getting a little more vocal as to where I stand on the political spectrum. But also, things are getting a little bit extreme um, that you have to say something. If I agree. Something. So, I mean, I, mean, I you know, I, I was sick um, during the Doug Ford, uh, the uh, Doug Ford rally on Queens Park. I, I was sick. I had a sign and everything, and I really wanted to to, to attend the rally, but I've attended a few Doug Ford, anti Doug Ford or anti racist at rallies recently. Either, um, uh, women's March, all these, all these rallies of, and I always post about it. And whether you agree with, you know, what the rally stands for or not, sorry, this is how, you know, this is me, you know? Um, and that's about as personal as I'll get in terms of, you know, my, my personal life, my family life, you know, my relatives or, or my family or, or friends or something like you, you're, you, I don't really, I get really uncomfortable talking. About <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's, that's all right. Is it, is there a fear? I mean, you, you say, you know, your band 
started on the radio. That's how I heard about you. I think I heard. No, we didn't start on the radio. No, no, no. no, no. You got your start. I mean, in the mainstream, you know, um, through mainstream radio, which I think we started getting played on mainstream radio in '99, and we started yeah. in '96. And between '96 and '99, we had already done tours with the New Bomb Turks, the Makeup, uh, Blonde Redhead. We pretty much played with all the DC bands. Like we, we were going yeah. to DC fairly regularly. I mean, I was at Pirate House. I mean, I stayed at Guy Pachota's house. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> the nation of Lissy's guys. And, and uh, then we didn't get anywhere. We, we didn't get signed to one of the cool labels that we wanted, that we loved, like Crypt, In the Red, Touch and Go. None of these labels. There was some interest in a few of them. I won't say which ones, but then they balked. And it really shattered me because I was a huge fan of some of these labels. And we had, there was, there was a, it was kind of a perfect storm where we got rejected by a lot of these cool indie labels that we loved. Uh, the technology was, was growing in terms of Pro Tools where you don't. You didn't need to spend so much money in the studio to make right, a decent right. recording, and at the same time, getting disillusioned by the giant pose that was garage rock, garage punk, which is a lo-fi aesthetic, like deliberately sounding bad, <laughs> deliberately sounding like you recorded it in a garage. To me, back then in 1998, uh, was a giant pose. If you could afford it because of the technology, then you trying to sound deliberately terrible was a giant pose to me. So we transitioned into from a garage punk band to a hard rock band, which meant uh, better sounding guitars on recordings, um, bridges in songs, like better arrangements. And I actually sang rather than scream. So there's a marked difference in how we transitioned. But between 96 and 99... We were like we were hanging out with D, like all the DC punks and 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 um, touring with Blonde Redhead in the states and hanging out with the New Bomb Turks. We we were like set. I, I that's all I wanted to be when I between '96 and '99. The only thing I wanted to be on was a cool American either garage punk label or a cool big indie label like a Matador or a Touch and Go. Right. But right. none of that came to fruition. So. When everybody in Canada started to find out about us was when we said, screw that, let's just do this. And we got picked up because the buzz on us was so big by then because we hadn't released anything. Yeah, We got added on to commercial radio right away. Much music started to play the video that we made. Um, and that's how I think a lot of kids and younger generation found out about us. Whereas back in Toronto, we had already like – carved the scene so totally 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 but you know and i don't want to harp on this leftist left versus right thing that we're we were talking about but i do kind of want to finish the point and it's that you guys came from came from punk rock um and you know you got big on on much music on on the radio and your sound to me i guess as a punk rock kid i kind of got it i kind of got that you were a garage punk band that was maybe a little bit more polished, but a lot of people heard it as, oh, this is like some kind of classic rock, um, you know, because no one really had done what you had done, at least commercially. 
in Canada. So I think a lot of people took that as like, oh, this is this is like working class, you know, um, right, you know, right wing music. Uh, no, that's a terrible thing to say. That's not what I mean. But but do you have a fan base that comes from that? There, there must you must based no, on your when start you, when you well when you when you kind of hit uh, the mainstream, no matter no matter how hard you hit, if you you're able to punch through the mainstream you're basically going to get whoever you get who listens to it it's all facets right. all all sides of of the general public and and i mean i don't i don't reject anyone who digs our band at least you know we can meet on we can meet you know via sound like we like yeah. the same sounds that's that's a meeting ground that's a starting point um but i've just found recently that you, you just kind of realize, you know, sometimes that, oh, wow, I, I just always assumed that, you know, everybody who liked our band kind of, you know, rolled with uh, where we were politically, but we never even publicly made that clear, or at least I never made where I stood publicly clear. And it's just, you just live in your head sometimes, and then you, you quickly realize, no, this is, the general public is everyone. And that's all sides, left and right, and middle, and and, and everything. And and I'm cool with that, man. I I, I don't mind people who are right wing. That that I'm not anti. I'm not against people who are right wing. It's it's the alt right that that right. kind of rubs me the wrong way. I I uh, I find that, and I, I find that the right these days is um, incorporating a little bit of the alt right, or, or or being in bed with them to certain degrees. You know, speaking alongside them and. Uh, publicly, it's it's just not cool. So yeah, things are kind of getting gray, and I think the you know I, sometimes I can't just sit there when when I have like a, you know I have to say something. Like for example, there was a Doug Ford push on this whole like beer and corner stores two weeks ago, where all the MPPs like made their own videos. Some of them were absolutely hilarious, and and I had to to comment about them. I mean, they were just too well, funny. What was that? I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the with that. Well, uh, Doug Ford is breaking the contract with the beer store, and it's going to cost the province a billion dollars, and seven thousand unionized jobs are in jeopardy um, by breaking the contract. And he wants to put, you know, beer in corner stores, and he's selling it so you know local merchants will benefit. And so what he did is he got all the people in his party to go to their local variety store and make some sort of homemade video on their iPhones right. about why there's no beer in the convenience store. And meanwhile, you're know, making cuts to education and, and, and health. This is your priority? Right. I mean, I just I can't believe this. Is, this isn't even in the top 30, 50 of priorities. I mean, I just, so I think, I think I'm with a lot of people where we're just kind of scratching our heads going, what's going on? The fact that he adopts this whole like promises made, promises kept Trump, exact Trump line. Right. It's scary too. But anyways, that's a different topic entirely. I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit and then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. 
The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash LSS. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. I mean, I thought your, your podcast is called Lead Singer's Disease, right? Or Lead, Lead, Singer, Lead Singer Syndrome, Syndrome. yes, yes. I thought I was going to be talking about tips on how to sing. Well, we can talk about that. Um, absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing how sometimes I do this, do these episodes and we don't even talk about singing. Um, you know, but I do like to talk about that. You guys have a great fan base in Europe. You have for a long time. You talk about punk, you know, punk rock labels being on bad taste for years. You know, label out of Sweden that's known for, I think, of like Mill and Colin and Satanic Surfers and, you know, all that. Uh, sir- Surfers. No, uh, Mill and Colin were on. Um, oh, Burning, Burning, Burning Heart. Burning Heart, burning right. Heart. That's right. I, mi- I mixed them up. I know. I just know. It's OK. It's OK. They're Swedish. all They're all friends. We're all friends. <laughs> we love we love Mill and Colin. So. I love Mill and Colin, too. The, but uh, so, you know, um, you, you're traveling over there all the time. You're going on tour. You got the jet lag to contend with. Is it hard for you as a singer to go over there and uh, uh, have to perform? Uh, in terms of uh, uh, traveling and jet lag, we usually fly, and when we land, we have that day off. Yeah. And so usually, what I do is I stay up for the whole day, yeah. no matter how jet I am. I just stay up. Whereas other people will go directly to bed and 
it just screws up your clock. The only way to get your clock up is to clock back to normal is if you stay up and then uh, go to bed at around 10 o'clock that night. And then it's you get up and you usually feel refreshed and and um, you can sing because your your vo- voice snaps back after eight hours yeah. of sleep. I think it's funny, think like it's- when you when you fly over. We, we just did a, a tour in the UK, which is which is actually why I um, just we did, it was just a, a festival in the UK. But that's that was the flight that that got messed up when I couldn't call you. And it's funny because that flight. Is it that long from Toronto to London, you know? And I, whenever I'm on the plane, I'm like, can we just do another lap around a couple times so I can get my eight hours of sleep so I can, so I can make it through the whole day? Because there's nothing worse than when you're, you don't even know what time it feels like and you're trying to stay awake and you're like, I just got to get to like 9, 10 and, and it's like you're, you're crashing out. But uh, it's, it is, the struggle is definitely real with that but I um, I know guys that actually will go a few days early to really try to acclimatize before they uh, before they uh, uh, play their first show right I, I, no we usually just do it a, a day we'll have just one day full where we're at the place and then then we're good to go there's been times where I you know I wasn't able to sleep and then I have that happened once where I got a virus and it just piled on and I wasn't sleeping and I and in the bus I had the coldest bunk and that's mm-hmm. the worst for a singer and yeah it just it was it was a nightmare actually but um, you learn from those experiences so definitely make sure that I'm warm and and I'm sleeping. That's right. Yeah. No, it's it's funny. Some guys in my band they want to turn it down so cold yeah I and know. i am like dying i'm like i can't do this you know and then of course i look like the the one with lead singer syndrome the diva but it's true like i don't know man if i get if i'm too cold and i sleep i'll just wake up and i'm just like no like my voice just won't work it's yeah it's so true I, i'm in that same boat a lot of the time when everybody wants it cold and yeah so what i do is i always have um i bring an extra scarf and an extra hoodie, and um, uh, I all in the bus. I always have two blankets, like because we have we don't have we're a three piece, so we don't and yeah. we travel fairly minimally. Like what we have like uh, about three or four techs or, or crew, so there is always an empty bunk, and so I take uh, I always have two blankets, and I always have an extra hoodie and. Um, uh, an extra scarf just in case it does get to the point where it's so cold on the bus. I'm always warm. And that, that was from trial and error over the years realizing, Holy shit. Like I don't, you know, and it's also, you know, you, nobody sings, nobody understands. Everybody can play guitar in a band, whether you play drums or you're the singer or everybody can play drums, whether you're the singer or the bassist, but, but nobody really can sing in the band the way you know, a tour demands a voice. So I'm always, you know, and I, at the same time, I also don't want to put anyone out either because if they can't sleep because it's too warm. Right. So it's a balancing act. And I, I d- definitely feel your pain in that sense. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. So I want to talk about your book. I've got something to say. 
Sure. Um, it, it, you know, I guess I haven't read the book. I actually didn't even know about the book, but it seems very cool. And from what I understand, it's a collection of stories, essays that you've written. Um, is it is it something that you've had kind of ongoing over the years? Like, is there stuff that you wrote years and years ago? Or was it like, nope, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a book from memory? Did you use journals? How did you put this all together? It's a collection of uh, articles I wrote for various rock magazines over a period of 10 years. Okay, okay. Um, and so uh, uh, there's a lot of articles and, you know, we had to edit it out. And I, I, my editor for the book was Aaron Brophy, who used to be Chart Magazine, the editor for Chart Magazine. Yeah. And, um, no, he does. He works in various other streams, and uh, I. He was my first choice. I asked Aaron, and between the two of us, we spent a year editing the uh, the book and going through all my old articles and just deciding, oh, this is too mean sounding. Like, let's not include that. And, and there was a point where I decided to just not to to. Uh, to take out all the uh, mean spirited articles. So I didn't want, I didn't want it biting me in the ass. Uh, and so we just we were left with all my favorite ones and the ones Aaron approved and he edited and everything. And um, I didn't want, some of these had already been published. I didn't want people who had read it or bought it previously to buy something twice. So right. I got uh, people to illustrate some of them. Yeah. And so there's, uh, let's see, Damien Abraham from Fucked Up did an illustration. Erie Vaughn from Sam Hain and Danzig, he did an illustration. Uh, Valiant himself from Valiant Thor did an oh, illustration. Nice. Nice. Away from Voivod did one. Juan Montoya from Torch and Stallone, he did one. And then um, uh, I wanted just people in bands to, to contribute um, illustrations, but, you know, I ran out of, and some of them said no, because they were a little too shy. <laughs> but then I just started to just ask illustrators. So I asked um, um, Mary Fleener, who, who is a, I'm a fan of. She did a comic called Slut Burger in the 90s, which is amazing. Amazing. And so I tracked her down, and she did like three pages of comic panel. Brian Walsby did the cover, and he did two pages of comic panel. Uh, Brian Walsby... He was in a lot of bands, but he's right these days he sells merch for the Melvins. So okay. that. So um, and Damien put me in touch with Brian, who I was a huge fan of for a long time. And then Damien just said, I got his contact. I'm friends with him. So I'm like, wow, he was the one guy that I wanted to have do the cover. That's amazing. That is so amazing. it was a great way to to meet Brian through Damien. Um, and then uh, I'm just thinking here. Uh, oh, Gary Dump, who uh, was a. Uh, big illustrator with American Splendor uh, with Harvey Picar. And so a lot of it was based on American Splendor comics, you know, illustrating uh, articles. So uh, I just went to the source. And so Gary was really nice and we're friends now. And it's great that I have a connection with American Splendor somehow. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a few other ones. And then Duff McKagan. That's right. That was my question. Yeah. Yeah. Duff wrote the foreword to the book and that was going back. 2013, we had spent a lot of that year touring with with Duff uh, through Loaded and his other band, Walking Papers. So on the last day of the tour, I asked him, you know, and we had had conversations about writing and 
and he had been on my podcast and we had, we had talked about writing on the road and meeting deadlines with editors, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So last, last day of the tour, I said, Hey, listen, if I ever write a book, will you write a forward to it? I would love for you to do it. And he said, sure. So fast forward, 2016, we're getting this thing done. Uh, and, uh, I hit him up. And I said, hey, Duff, remember three years ago? <laughs> said you'd write this forward. And then I knew from, you know, being in the industry, it was a very, very loose rumor that, you know, Slash, Duff, and Axel were going right. to get back together. And he didn't tell me. He just said, you know, my world is going to get very busy next week. I already knew what he meant. Uh -huh. uh, so he wasn't making a, an excuse. So I said, no problem. Don't worry about it, man, because I knew what he meant. Yeah. And then I think two days later in my inbox, he just said, ah, screw it. Here you go. Cool. And that was really cool of him to do, knowing uh, knowing what was on his plate. And Duff is just the coolest guy in the world. It's one of the reasons why I asked him for for being in like such a huge band, like a genuine rock star level oh, yeah. right. world that he lives in. He's probably the most down to earth guy in that world that I've met. Um, he is the most approachable, likable, coolest down to earth guy. And then when you realize, well, his background is punk rock, right. it kind of all makes sense. So, um, so it was really nice to have Duff a part of the book. And, uh, then on the back, the testimonials were from Del James, who's a, a big, a good friend and he's in the Guns N' Roses camp, but he also used to write for Rip Magazine back in the day. I used to buy Rip Magazine. Um, <laughs> Sean, uh, Shawnee Salt from uh, White Zombie. She also right. wrote a book called I'm in a Band. I'm in the band. She So she right. has a book out. And of course, I love White Zombie. And I've, I've known Sean for quite a few years. And uh, Gordon Corman, who is my all-time favorite author since I was in grade four. Uh, he wrote... Really? Like, yeah, like wrote, the Mac Hall guy? Or what is that yeah, book called? Yeah. Yeah, uh, this can't be happening at McDonald Hall. Right, Bruno exactly. Boots, yeah. uh, who is Bugs Potter? No coins, please. And he's still writing books to this day, very regularly. And so, Gordon and I became friends uh, through the podcast actually a few years ago. And so, when it came time to hit people up for you know testimonials, I, I asked Gordon, and uh, of course, he wrote on the back of the book. So, yeah, I, I sent some cool. articles. Yeah, so. So it was really nice to have like the author of my favorite book of all time, which is a toss-up between No Coins, Please and Who is Bugs Potter, write a testimonial for the book. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Um, it just, just oh, struck me oh, now. I, Go I ahead. Should, should mention uh, the book came out on Feral House. So we were going to self-publish it, but um, uh, Feral House, I, I, um, I approached Feral House because – I noticed they were liking a lot of my tweets on Twitter, <laughs> and uh, it turns out that you know uh, they were interested. And Adam Parfrey, who's who was the owner of Feral House, he okay greenlit the the book, and he passed away a month before the book came out. But it was greenlit lit by Adam himself, and uh, it was really, yeah, it was kind of bittersweet when the book came out. Yeah. Um, but I'm a huge fan of Feral House. They put out Lords of Chaos. They put out Choosing Death. They put out uh, Hardcore by Harley Flanagan, his autobiography. They put out oh, yeah. uh, the, the the Source book. They put out Rants, uh, Apocalypse Culture. There's all kinds of books under the Feral House banner that 
you know, the the first Feral House book that I read was, you know, my first year of university. I read the uh, biography on Anton LaVey that Feral House put out. So they, they've always put out outsider books. So to be associated with that imprint is definitely um, a feather in my cap. It, it beats being on Matador Records. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that's, that's cool. That's cool. When you were talking about Duff, it, it reminded me, you guys didn't you guys do some shows with Guns N' Roses back in the day too? Like about 10 years yeah. ago? Like when it was yeah. just Axel? Yeah, it was 2010 and a lot of the people in that band are still in Guns N' Roses. Like Frank, who's on drums. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Frank Ferrar is on drums. Richard Fortas is on guitar with Slash. Uh, of course, Dizzy Reed yep. never left. He's still there. Um, and so, yeah, uh, we pretty much... And then Duff joined with, with Slash again and of course the whole worldwide tour but yeah 2010 they took us to 10 countries we played all across canada we played in norway they brought us to russia we played in romania we played in uh i can't even remember finland yeah 10 countries so yeah axel has been really nice to us you got to get him on the podcast axel doesn't do interviews really <laughs> no i know he does i know he doesn't yeah. that would be yeah. It would be it would be something. So um, I've, had, I've had Richard Fortas and Dizzy Reed on the podcast. Oh, so. cool! Very cool! Very cool! That's that's amazing. Um, so the new album, A Rock Supreme, uh, out now. It's been out for a couple months. Um, great record. I love I love I love the whole thing from start to finish. I, I think your records keep getting better and better, um, which doesn't always happen with bands, you know. Um, but this one, you took a bit of a different approach, going out to Vancouver, working with Garth Richardson, instead of making the record in Toronto. Did that, did that, was that approach different? Did that affect the record in a positive way? Well, I mean, um, well, first of all, thanks for digging the record. Uh, Garth is, uh, we've known for a few years that Garth has wanted to work with us. And all three of us for like something different that he's done. So... Rich likes the Rage Against the Machine album he did. Right. Um, JC likes the Biffy Clyro records that he produced, the three that he produced. And I like the Jesus Lizard and the Melvin stuff that he did. So between the three of us, we were all really kind of into working with Garth. And nothing against Eric Ratz, who did Fire Music and Wildcat. Those are my favorite albums, you know, that, that we had ever done. And, and Eric was amazing to work with in the studio. And we kept it light. You know, and la yeah. we laughed all the way through. So going out to Vancouver, based on someone's reputation, especially in the music industry where there's egos abound, yeah, I was very trepidatious because this could be a very long, bad date, um, <laughs> you know, and, and so I was, yeah. I was really worried. But um, we immediately found out that, like, you know, the reason why Garth is still making producing albums is because he's a great guy and, and he's not, you know, doesn't lead with his ego. He, he just knows what, how to get sounds in the studio and how to work with singers. And that comes with experience. And, and, uh, you know, it was a fun experience going out to Vancouver, you know, working through his, out in, in the studio out in the woods there. And, and I'm not a woods guy, man. I'm, I'm a fucking city kid, but I still yeah. have a lot of fun. Like, uh, making the record with Garth and uh, we laugh again with like Eric, we laughed all the way through. Like that's the one thing, you know, to keep the uh, production going and, and to make it 
to get the best performances, it, you know, there has to be some sort of lightheartedness in the studio. It's like first we laugh and then we rock. Right. You know? And so Garth, I think he subscribed to that as well. And, and we had a blast doing it. You know, it was a, it was a fun experience. And I think we did come out with our best album. I mean, there's out, there's songs on there that I, I am so happy we, we, we recorded. You know? Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic record. And yeah, no, I just wonder if, if the focus is there more, you know, cause when you make a record in the city you live in, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to go to the studio, but I got to, pick up my dry cleaning or stop at home hardware and get toggle bolts or, you know what I mean? There's these little things that come in, come into, you know, just everyday life, which kind of convolutes the creative process. But when it's like, okay, I'm here to fucking work, you know, I'm in this other city. It must just drive you a little harder. I guess it did. I mean, I, I wasn't very consciously aware of it. Like, um, me as the singer and you might, understand this uh it it was more of a thing of uh will will i have enough time to sing these songs you know we all know that you know everybody waits till the end for the singer and then it's like you got two days to sing eight songs it's ridiculous no no um so we were able to pace ourselves to the point where i was doing a song a day and even then i had you know had the time and because i was on I was living in the studio pretty much. I had so much time. There was no travel time, like you're saying. In, yeah. in, in the city, in your own hometown, there's still travel time and all the stuff you have to do in your home. Um, so I would just, you know, take me three seconds to walk back to where I was staying. And yeah. I, that would give me the whole evening to work out guitar solos and make last-minute changes to the um, lyrics. And I never adjusted uh, time-wise. So, um, <laughs> even though it was, you know, seven in the morning in Vancouver, it was 10 in the morning for me. So I would wake up really early and no one was up and I would just have complete silence to work on lyrics and yeah. guitars. And it was really, really, it was a, it was a different way. And, and I don't feel like I was, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to work. But, uh, yeah, when I look back on it, yeah, it's all I had to do. It's all that there was to do. Absolutely. No, it's a great, it's a great approach. I did that too. I, I, I rented an Airbnb for a record. I mean, I was living in Toronto and I rented an Airbnb in Toronto right across the street from the studio just so I could walk. It took me two and a half minutes to walk there to the, to the control room. And that way I had my own separation, you know, for, for the month and a half we did our last record. And I think that, that that's, really crucial and exactly it's interesting that you say you don't think about it um you know you don't really understand it's like oh yeah maybe maybe this did help us make the best record of our career but now that you've done it you know you kind of realize so are you going to make another record with garth in vancouver oh well we'd like to a lot i mean you know i think we both parted garth and us we both parted um friends you know friends for life and and uh i think we both ex- both parties have expressed you know wanting to work again I, I hope we can do that and that would be amazing um amazing yeah that would be great Love yeah that. i mean in terms of guitar solos like because that's another added thing i have to do is uh i was very aware that being on the premises uh what was helping my guitar solos like that 
definitely helped because I, I spent hours on them, crafting them when I, I never do that on past records. Yeah. So. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, I just want to you know, plug some of the tours you've got coming up. Um, you're going to be in Europe for festivals, Australia, and then more Europe later in the year with Volbeat. Um, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, uh, we've toured with Volbeat in the past, and they're really nice guys, and I was on their last record. The, the song actually went number one in America, so there's a connection there. And yeah, that's incredible. going to be touring with Baroness in, yeah. uh, on the tour as well, and we know those guys, and so I think it'll be a fun tour. It's funny talking to people in Canada about Volbeat. A lot of people have only heard about them. But in Europe, they're like an arena-sized band. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's a massive tour, and I saw that on your on your page. I was like, "Oh my god, that is a huge, huge tour to get." Yeah, and we've known Volbeat for since '06. So, like, I remember we played Copenhagen, and this guy knocked on our dressing room door and gave us his album, and I kept it, you know. And I I remember, and then I see the guy, like eight months later or something on the cover of rock hard magazine in germany and wow. I, I was like that's that same guy who just knocked on our door and i i dug up the cd and i looked at the name on the cover and i looked on the cd and i go that's him that's crazy wow and and uh, ever since then of course it's just gone higher and higher up and that was michael and michael's always been a very humble guy who you know says what he means and and he's true to his word at least my dealings with him, he's been great. I mean, there was one time, this is going back 2012, you know, I, I saw him at a festival and I said, man, we got a tour together. You know, we, we have to, it hasn't happened yet. And then he just looked at me and he said, well, I'll see what I can do. And then <laughs> three months later, we got an offer to tour with him in America. And so he, I, I really, I really kind of, you know, he's, he's a, he's a rare guy in, in this music industry where people just, talk out of their mouth and don't don't really mean it right so right. yeah it's great right is it hard for you guys to fit in because you know you can play with so many artists you know punk metal even something more kind of classic rock but you never truly fit in right is, is it difficult um to, to kind of find that right thing or are you just kind of used to being yeah. that band well, we're a rock band we're not a garage punk band anymore you know we're a rock right. band rock music doesn't have its own scene as crazy as that sounds it doesn't punk rock has like so many streams it's got websites it's got festivals it's got you know you can go on any part of the world and there's a punk rock scene same with metal metal same thing you know there's websites and there's festivals but there isn't a you know true rock festival it's always you know a rock bands on you know a festival as as a, a way to diversify the, the roster or, or, or to add either a heaviness to the, the, the festival or to lighten up the festival. Like when <laughs> yeah, we're, that's, we're on metal festivals, I feel totally. like we're the, yeah, we're the, um, the token rock band, the token rock band, or you're just the, uh, the break from all the death metal double kick, you know? <laughs> so, so we're, and that makes us stand out more, but I would love to be part of a, there's lots of rock bands, but we're, we're kind of islands to ourselves looking at each other rather than, you know, pulling it under one umbrella and turning it into a scene. And I think, uh, especially for younger music fans, they tend to go with a, a tribe 
And so they'll yeah. don the uniform on yeah. and they won't like other tribes, at least in North America. It's very d- d- divided. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Which is, which is part of why I love Europe so much because, you know, you, you take some, a country like Germany and, you know, the people aren't fickle. They're like, is it loud? Does it have guitars? I like it. You know, it's literally that's how they approach music, which is the way it should be. Yeah, and so that's that's uh, it's been a boon and a, uh, you know a little bit of a Achilles heel for us. So we've 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 um, been able to um, capitalize on it, but also we've been penalized for it. So it all <laughs> yeah, balances yeah. out in the end. Well, it's it's great to see you guys doing so well with a great new record, and uh, thanks for taking the time um, to do this, man. Uh, anything else to tell the people before I uh, let you go? No, you you actually rarely covered. I think everything. I've been interviews. <laughs> I never really do that, so that's nice. Thanks. Okay, yeah, I mean, I well, well I, I you know try to do my homework the best I can, but you, you're a you're a bit other than the things you're obviously doing. You're a bit of an enigma, Danko. So uh, it's it's <laughs> it's cool talking to you. It really is. Oh, cool. Well, nice. Talking to you, and hopefully our bands can play together somewhere. I'm sure I'll probably see you at a Europe, European festival in you know in a year or two. I have no doubt in my mind. I'll, yeah, I'll find we'll, you. I'll knock on the dressing room door. We'll probably meet somewhere in Germany or Finland rather than Young and Bloor. I, I guarantee you that that it's going to happen that way, man. Well, thanks, <laughs> dude. All right, thank you. Yeah, cheers. So there it is with Danko. What a busy guy. I want to thank him so much for taking time out of his very busy schedule to speak with me and also apologize for having to cancel on him one time. But we made it happen and make sure you go and check out all of his projects. Anyway, I will leave you with a tune so much to choose from. Deco Jones has a lot of albums. But I'm going to go with the first one I ever heard, a classic. Here is Bounce on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next week.
I'm your step. 